Please join me in the prayer for God to illumine our hearts and minds. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 25 through 37. Listen to God's word for us. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, She knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm Esther Choi, the visiting pastor here at Grace Covenant. And this summer we have been going through the Psalms, um, Nelson and I, and preaching through the Psalms. And this morning we will be um, reading from Psalm 88, which... um, Maybe a little bit of a different psalm than the ones that we have done, Um, but I encourage you to listen or turn in your Bibles to this psalm and follow along as I read. O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who have no help, like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim from sorrow. Every day I call on you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. 
Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the shades rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides, they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, this is the word of the Lord. You came to church to hear an uplifting message from Scripture, and instead you received a lament. This psalm, Psalm 88, is a psalm of lament. And you might be asking, what is lament anyways? Well, lament is the brutally honest and confrontational expression of distress before God. When the people of God lamented, they typically included acts of um, mourning, like wearing sackcloth. Um, they had basic dishevelment. They didn't eat. They put ashes on their head, and they wailed and cried out to God. Now, remember, this lamenting was right in the middle of worship in a faith community. Nowadays, we typically do not wear sackcloth or throw dirt and ashes on our heads when we are in pain or distress or mourning. But then I have to ask us this morning, what do we do as a faith community? What do we do about our grief when we recognize our loss? What do we do about our anger and frustration? I grew up in a Christian home and grew up going to church every Sunday. That was tradition in my house. But I grew up thinking that it was sinful to be angry with God. My experience in church, if a psalm was read, was that it was a happy psalm. A psalm that praised God, ascribed glory to God. And I don't remember of all my times in church growing up, many hymns that were laments. And I certainly never heard any praise songs that had any hint of being angry at God or expressed sadness. And because of this, inadvertently, I was taught that I had to bring only acceptable emotions to God, that I could only bring positive thoughts and prayers and emotions or else I had to change all of my negative feelings, um, my sad or angry feelings, before approaching a holy God who was praiseworthy and who deserved our, our praise. As if God didn't already know what we were thinking or feeling. And it is sad to say, but it was not until I went to seminary 
three years after college, when I learned about lament psalms. Isn't that crazy? Growing up in church, I never even realized there was a category called lament psalms. And we read from a theologian, Walter Brueggemann, who wrote an article called The Costly Loss of Lament. And he argues that we have lost lament in our worshiping communities. And because we have lost using the psalms of lament, it has been costly to us in our faith. It is rare that churches use lament psalms in worship. Yet did you know that more than half of our psalms are lament psalms? Out of 150 psalms in the Bible, over half of them are laments. So why do we not hear or read these psalms very often in church? Well, if you listen to Psalm 88, you can understand why. One theologian wrote, it is an embarrassment. Psalm 88 is an embarrassment to the Psalter. There's nothing positive or happy about this psalm. We come to church, and I've been told by many congregation members, I've come to hear an uplifting message, and they don't want to hear something depressing. But the psalmist in Psalm 88, in fact, is not only being depressing, the psalmist is blaming God for his troubles and even accusing God of not listening to her desperate prayers of pleading. The psalmist says in verse 13, But I, O Lord, cry out to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? I am desperate, the psalmist says. Desperate for you to, to listen to me, and you are not hearing my prayers. Now, our neat and tidy theology would tell us that God is not punishing us when we are in a season of pain or waiting. It's truth. God does not punish us and our, our, our circumstances when they are negative or when they're painful. It's not because of God's wrath. But grief is not neat. It's not tidy. Our feelings aren't always what other people would deem positive or tidy. And by the way, emotions are neither positive or negative. They simply are. And the psalmist and the biblical authors of lament know this. And they just say it how it is. They speak exactly what they feel. They pray to God as if God is the problem. As if God is to blame for their troubles. The psalmist in Psalm 88 says, You have put me in the depths of the pet. You, God, you put me there in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You are the one that's caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. Do you see that? The psalmist blames God. Why does the psalmist do that? It's because the psalmist know that only God can do anything about changing their circumstances. So their complaint, their wailing, their weeping, their protest, their accusation is directly addressed to God. My Old Testament professor, Dr. John Golden Gay, used to say that it was better to unleash your fury at God rather than on another person because God is the only one that can truly handle our anger. He's God. You can't hurt God with your anger 
or your disappointment, but you can certainly hurt other people. So often we vent to our friends, our spouses, on Facebook, maybe Twitter, or we do the opposite. We stuff our feelings and we try to fix our problems ourselves. But you see, friends, both of those ways lack dependence on God. I'll be completely honest, I am not always comfortable with the Psalms of lament, especially Psalms like this one, Psalm 88. And that's because my life experience, as it is with you, is not always down in the pit. Surely I have had those experiences, but not every day do I feel what the psalmist feels. And usually I'm trying to avoid going down to the pit, or at least I wouldn't go there voluntarily by reading this psalm. I admit, I admit it can feel very disconnected to read Psalm 88 in church, especially if I'm not in a place in my life where I'm experiencing what the psalmist is experiencing. But there, it's, the psalm is here. And we are called to read the fullness of Scripture. Why should we practice lamenting and reading and praying these laments even if we are not in a season of lament ourselves? Why should lament be a normal part of our worship even when we are not feeling sad? Well, I have four reasons for you this morning. First, I, I told you that biblical lament is prayer. It's prayer that is ruthlessly honest about present hurt, suffering, grief, confusion, or anger, either in one's own life or in the life of a community. And so because the Psalms are the prayer book of the Bible— and there are more prayers of lament than praise in the Psalms, these are meant to be our prayers too. They're in Scripture. So the first basic reason why we need to practice lamenting is because they are in our prayer book in the Bible. Secondly, we lament in order to weep with those who are weeping. Even if you are not in a season of pain or distress, or mourning, or a season of lament right now, I guarantee you, someone in this church is going through something deeply mournful. Paul calls us in Romans twelve fifteen to weep with those who weep. When my husband and I were trying to conceive, it took us about two years, and we quickly learned that we had to see a um, an infertility specialist, and it turned out that our journey to have children was very difficult. And I did not realize how much grief and mourning I would go through that two-year process. And I look back on that season, and I often say that that grief of infertility was the deepest pain that I had felt because there was no promise of an end in sight. Um, we could have kept trying, and God may not have answered our prayers for children. And so there was this hope that we had to hold, not knowing if it was going to be answered. It was painful. There was not a time where I could just have closure on that. I remember in one particular one night where I was just angry at God for our circumstance, for making the me the way I was, for not allowing us to have children, blaming God for creating the, the situation. And I was crying and mad. And in that moment, I had an epiphany. 
I was alone, and I thought, what I need in this moment is not a friend to come beside me and tell me it was going to be okay or try to you know, make me feel better about the situation. What I longed for in that moment of grief was just someone to see me and, to some, and for someone to be with me in the pain. And so now I have learned when there are others in my life, friends or church members who are in a painful season, I've learned not to go quickly to the place of giving them a scripture of hope or telling them that God is in control, all those things are true, but to simply weep with them. And my words often are, I am with you in your pain. I am weeping with you. We lament and we practice lamenting in order to weep with those who are weeping. Third, we need to know what songs to sing and prayers to pray when we go through our own seasons of mourning. Few of us understand how unprepared we are for suffering and trials until they come. Isn't that true? So often in our lives, we are not prepared for that thing that comes into our lives. It is unexpected. It knocks us off our feet. But when we regularly practice lament, when we read these prayers of lament in the Psalms, we will know how to do it when we encounter suffering in our life. And so we need to practice lament so that we know the words that we can sing and the words that we can pray, those honest words to God, when those trials inevitably come. And finally, why do we lament even when we may not be in a season of lament ourselves? Well, we lament as a community over the tragedies and suffering in our world, over the suffering in our community. We lament as a community over natural disasters like hurricanes or shootings in schools or, or places of worship or systemic problems like racism and homelessness. We are called as God's faithful people to lament as a community for the brokenness and sorrow in the world. And so the lament psalms, these psalms were given to the community of faith to pray about the national things that were going on, the suffering that the people were experiencing. And that's what we are called to as well. Maybe you are going through a difficult time right now. May these words of Psalm 88 be your words May they be the honest cry and the prayer of your heart. And if not, if you are not in a season of lament or mourning, maybe you can think of someone that you know who is going through a painful season. Someone who has just been diagnosed with cancer. Someone who has experienced a loss. Someone who is in a painful relationship. Someone who is sitting in a place where they don't know if God hears their prayer. Who do you know that's going through a painful season? May this word, the psalm of lament, be your prayer of weeping with them. And besides personally, in our own lives and those of our loved ones, we can lament communally as a people of faith for the situations in our church for those situations in our world. 
when beloved members of our congregation die, the entire faith community can grieve together. The Psalms give us the words to pray together. Like Psalm 9 of verse 88, our eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day we call on you, O Lord. We spread out our hands to you. Those are the words that we pray. Those are the words that we pray when we think of our divided nation, the violence and unrest in our country and around the world. What are the issues that keep you up at night? The things of our world that make us feel helpless and overwhelmed and righteously angry. Think of the people who are suffering the most and let us lament as if we were with them in the struggle. Because when we pray these prayers of lament, we are in it with them. Now the lament psalms often, but not always, end with an admission of trust and praise. Psalm 88 is an example of a psalm that does not end that way. It leaves you hanging. It feels like an unfinished prayer without resolution. And frankly, it seems like a prayer without faith. But this is real, raw, and honest stuff. Because real life and real faith is not neat and tidy. When we are in pain or when others are in pain, sometimes all that comes out is pure anguish or anger at God or words that seemingly lack faith or hope. Nothing that you think or say may be positive, or at least what people say is positive. It may all feel and see, seem negative. But let me assure you that no feelings or words are negative when they are addressed to God. God can handle our rage. God can handle our wailing and lamenting. In fact, God weeps with us. Just as we see Jesus weeping with Mary and Martha over their great loss, even when Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus sat with them and wept with them. Turns out, our honest outpouring of grief is in fact faith. It's an act of faith to entrust our deepest, most vulnerable selves to God. And I have found when I turn to God in my deepest needs and cry out honestly, that that is the moment when God changes me in the midst of what I'm going through, even if the circumstances don't change. God changes me. Because it's as if the Holy Spirit gently reminds me, I'm listening. I'm here, God says. I am with you in your distress. Lamentations is a book of the Bible that's an entire lament. It's a long lament. But it has in that lament, in chapter 3, kind of in the middle, verse 23, these words. This reminder in the midst of this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that is my prayer for you and my hope for you, Grace Covenant Church. That no matter how the Lord continues to bring change or sorrow in your future, both individually or as a community, no matter what griefs or losses you might experience in your community or in the world, that you will continually lean on Christ 
and that as you lean into him, as you rest in his steadfast love that never ceases, you can more truly and more fully experience his love, his presence that is with you in the lamenting, in the grieving. His steadfast love never ceases. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.